Hey, and welcome to the Braveheart Talks podcast, where we will be discussing some meaningful and insightful topics into the life of everyday women. You know, one of the greatest lies we allow ourselves to believe is, it's only me. No one else thinks like this, and no one else struggles with this. But the truth of the matter is, no matter what age, stage or life placement you find yourself in, women are women and we are complex creatures navigating life through a torrent of emotions, hormones and relationships. My prayer is that during these conversations, we help your life get a little better and you get a little better at life. My name is Emma Bryant and who knows, by the end of this podcast, we may be new best friends. Well, hey girls, welcome to Brave Heart Talks. Thank you for tuning in and listening with us today. And I am delighted and honored that I have got my very special friend joining us today. And that is Jill Johnson, pastor of Red Rocks Church, Colorado. And Jill, it is an honor to have you on this podcast speaking with us. We are so excited for this. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I honestly feel like I I have so much respect and admiration for you. I feel like I should be listening to you because you are just a wealth of wisdom and have such a beautiful way of making God's word so practical and fun. <laughs> so you are one of the funniest <laughs> friends I have. And so it's it's truly an honor. Be invited. Oh, thank thank you. you. Thank you. But she actually, she's telling Porky's there, really, because I do all <laughs> my learning from her and her husband. And actually, you and Sean, you've been pivotal in looking my life for for I was thinking it must be getting on for 10 years. Like a so. long time, long right? Time. We long time. and you've helped us and been so instrumental in in the building of our church too but but you guys you run actually one of the fastest growing churches in the USA um Red Rocks Colorado you have campuses you have about eight campuses you have online service you have campuses all over Denver and beyond and Austin Texas in Brussels in Belgium and um you're a hugely hugely impactful and influential church and what I love most about you guys is that you've stayed under the radar for so many years because you've just been heads down in your lane and Mm -hmm. building church and we super love that about you guys but and we also know that leading church comes at a cost. And quite often it's a cost that is, it's unseen. And right. people don't know the level that you often, the level of the price that you have to pay um, as a couple, as a family, to be able to lead such a big organization. And in recent years, I know that your family have been through a lot Um, You've been through a lot of turmoil and a lot of personal pain and in particular around Sean's anxiety, which Mm. he's been super open and honest about. And I think, in fact, you both have. You've both been incredibly 
um, open about the journey that you've been on. And um, and I know that Sean has written a really impactful book that I know has personally helped a lot of my friends and people in my world and attacking anxiety. Am I right in saying that you can still get yes. that book on Amazon? Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely super, super helpful book. But you've gone through some storms and you've had some wrestles over the years. And I think that the thing that we want to major on today is that often when a loved one is going through a crisis, it's not just them going through the crisis, but quite often it affects that those that are closest to them the the most. And... um, and I think what happens is the one who's closest to them, you have to bear much weight. And yeah. that weight can, you do it all with a smile on your face. But I believe that there's many women out there who are carrying weight. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's that subject that I want you to talk into our lives today. Is that how did you go through what you went through? around Sean's anxiety, but you did that keeping your faith in Jesus. You did that having to support your husband, holding your family together, and also in the leadership of the church, which is thousands and thousands of people. And I think that it would be so helpful if you could speak into that for us today. But I understand this that before that you can reach into someone else's world to first help them, you've got to be in a place of strength yourself. And I'm aware that none of us know what's around the next corner. Life Mm -hmm. just has this habit of curveballing us, right? Right. And so none of us know what is in our future. Um, So how would you, what did it look like for you from being able to help from a place of strength, how could we be women who who are at a place of strength today so that we're ready for what is ahead tomorrow? Yeah, that's such a good question. And while I'm so grateful for all the kind things you've said, one thing I want everyone to hear and to know that while, yes, Sean and I lead a, a larger growing church, we are just like everybody else, right? We are really no different and have very similar struggles as others others do. And so we're no different, but I really along the way had to learn. I quickly learned. And again, I learned because I really was forced to, I had no choice. It was the only way for me to survive. And this whole journey of supporting my husband in his own struggle, which, and he's not the only one. I have my own struggles. They just look different. But I realized along the way that I first had to figure out how to support myself. And that, I hope that doesn't sound selfish or self-serving, but if you think about it, if you've ever ridden on an airplane, you get on the airplane and the airline attendant, right before the plane takes off, the airline attendant talks about in the event of an emergency, oxygen masks will drop. And the the flight attendant goes on to say, if you as an adult are sitting next to a child, you need to first put your own oxygen mask on so that you're prepared 
and able to help the child or the one in need sitting next to you, right? And so that's for me, I had to figure out first, okay, what does my oxygen mask look like? What do I have to put on so that I can be in a place of of, uh, being able to breathe myself so that I can help the one I'm sitting next to, the one I love, my husband. And so the oxygen mask for me was protecting and prioritizing my personal time with Jesus, my quiet time. So my time in the word, my time just praying, that was like my oxygen mask. And it was from that place, that personal quiet time with Jesus, doing the best I could every day to just spend time with him. It was from that place that I was then able to support and, and have the strength in and of, you know, strength for that day. I was almost going to say strength in and of myself, but it wasn't my strength. It was the Lord's strength carrying me which then allowed me to be able to help carry the weight, carry the burden that my husband was also carrying. And I love that analogy because of the oxygen mask dropping, because if you can't breathe yourself, then you can't assist anybody else, right? And so you were like, I've got to find my own rhythm in God, my own pace in God, uh, my own strength in God before I can help or support or lean in to help anybody else and so yeah extremely powerful I think one of the things about God's word is we often turn to God's word in a crisis we often go to the word of God like there's a problem like I, I need an answer I need a solution and we start flicking through our Bibles but the truth is the word of God God wants to speak to us through his word every day all the time, not just when there's a crisis, not just when there's a situation. And so just what what is the importance of that about walking with God daily so Mm -hmm. that he's not just rescuing us from a situation, but he's also able to prepare us for what is to come. And I think my question in that is prior to the... um, Prior to the traumatic events that that you went through together with with Sean and you went through as a couple, like, do you feel that God equipped you or forewarned you through his scripture, through the reason, you know, you protect your private, quiet times with him. So what was God actually speaking to you in that time? Yes, absolutely. I feel like he was preparing me in advance because, so, you know, when you're fighting something big like anxiety, like depression, it feels quite overwhelming. It feels like a giant. And, you know, the Lord knew he could, he sees what's up ahead. And he knew that that giant of anxiety, depression, that's not something Sean could fight on his own. That's not something I could fight on my own. However, a long time ago, I realized, oh my goodness, I am such a mess in and of myself. I have so many weaknesses in and of myself that those quiet time moments with Jesus just became my everything a long time ago. And so I, it's like, I need to, I have to go into every day as best as I can, just spending time with Jesus. And so one of the things that I just started practicing a long time ago was reading a Psalm every single day. 
that's in addition to whatever else in my Bible for that at that time I was reading, I would try to at least read one Psalm a day. Some days we have more time to get in the word than others. And so I made it a priority. I'm going to do my best to just at least read one Psalm. And so prior to stepping into this really intense season of fighting anxiety and depression, I started to notice on my own all throughout the Psalms that God kept referring to himself as a hiding place for his children, his people. And I just noticed this, him as a hiding place, it it looked like him being in the words that were being used throughout scripture were him as our refuge, him as our safe place, him as our escape, him as our tower of protection and strength and might. And so it was just interesting to me that days, months before my husband was going to experience some intense anguish and pain that the Lord was teaching me and showing me on my own. Okay, Jill, in this, well, in what's to come, you remember the fact that I am your strength. I am your tower of refuge. I am your hiding place. When it's hard for you, you run to me. And so that was just something again, that because I had said, all right, Lord, I'm committed to doing life with you. It was from that place that he, yes, just began to show me how to do life with him when life got really hard and painful. Super, super helpful. You know, you say in there that, through his word, God showed you that he was your hiding place at a time when you didn't need to hide because he knows what's in the future, right? And we don't know what's in the future. Um, I just want to say, because I should have just said this at the beginning, but honestly, as a couple, you know that Luke and I look up to you guys and we have we have looked upon the way that you've navigated yourselves through this season. And the way that you are open and that Sean talks about his journey and your willingness to talk about this journey, I just want to say, like, this is super helpful to Mm -hmm. so many people who think they have to be quiet, who Mm -hmm. think it's shameful, who want to hide away and pretend that life is okay. It's okay to not be okay, right? Right. Okay. That's Um, all of that. Yeah, it's true. But there's just one phrase that you've used along this journey that that I have really been drawn to. And when you've talked about Sean, and most people would talk about anxiety or depression, but you talked about Sean having a a severe mental anguish. Mm -hmm. And that language to me really, I found it very insightful and very powerful because actually anguish is not a commonly used word and in fact what leapt to my mind immediately was it the bible talks about hannah that she was in deep anguish she was at the temple she's on the temple steps and in fact eli the priest thought that she was drunk because she was in such deep anguish because anguish it's absolute brokenness be it physical be it mental it's you are broken you are angry you are confused you are lost and and you just can't put put 
put what we can normally put together, you just can't put together. And right. so Eli's description of Hannah was, oh, she, she just looks like she's drunk. But yeah. actually it was this anguish. And, and the problem is when, when people go through such deep anguish or deep brokenness, out of a frustration of not knowing what is happening and not knowing how to cope with a situation, a trauma or a crisis, what we then tend to do is take our anger out or express our frustration on those who are closest to us. And I know for me in my personal journey, when I first got my cancer diagnosis, which mm -hmm. you and Sean traveled so closely with Luke and I through that season of our lives, that I took my anger out on Luke. I was so angry with the circumstances that he he bore a, a lot more of the weight of just the diagnosis of his wife being sick. He then had to bear the weight of my ugliness because I didn't have, I didn't know what to do. So I just got angry with him. And I know in part you've shared that a little bit with me, but how did Sean's experience and diagnosis, how did that outwork on you as his wife or you as a family? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, it looks different for everyone, but for Sean, you know, I can remember him. And even in his book, he talks about this. There's a chapter where he has referenced those moments of feeling that deep anguish and pain. He said he's almost felt as if he was crazy. And, and I think that's where to, if you find yourself in that place where you're like, am I crazy? If you're the one going through the anxiety and depression yourself, or if you, as your loved one's going through it, you start to feel like, am I crazy? I want to say right now, you're not, <laughs> you're not crazy. Great, great it's advice. part of the process of pain, I think at times. And so for Sean, when he would get to that place of feeling deeply anguished, frustrated, um, or when he was feeling like, I, am I crazy right now? The way it would come out towards me or towards the boys, a lot of angry words, hurtful words, hurtful words were exchanged. And so and that's hard. And so I think, um, but there again, one thing I have learned and one thing I began to see is that God's grace is sufficient. God knows the pain, he knows the weakness, and therefore he knows how to, to, to protect us, to protect his children, to protect me, to protect the boys, to even protect Sean in those moments. And he does that through measures of grace, his grace. And so when, yeah, when it got really hard in terms of painful words that were exchanged, I, at certain times, I could literally feel the peace of God coming over me so in good. a way that I can't explain so that I just beautiful. attribute that to the, the beauty of having a, a relationship with Jesus. I, I, the, the feelings of peace produced were not in and of myself. And it was just, I know that I know that it was the grace of God that allowed me to, in, in moments, and I wasn't perfect. There were moments where I, I would lash back. The temptation is to, in those moments, we'll just lash back with more hurtful words, but more often than not, 
I would literally feel the physical presence of Jesus, the peace of Jesus coming over me and allowing me to bite my tongue a lot of times. And again, I'm not saying I'm perfect. It's in my weakness. The Lord was my strength and his grace, watching his grace be sufficient for me, for the children. So that's, that's such great advice. And let's be honest, there's not a woman listening to this that can't bite their tongue without the presence of God sitting on them <laughs> right greatly because we all right. want it we all want to bite back but I think yeah. what's important to draw out of that lesson is that words from the mouth are different than words from the heart and mm-hmm. I think when we hurt in moments in crisis in trauma it brings a lot out of our mouth but because it comes yeah. out of our mouth it's not necessarily in our heart right. and and I think that's where God protects you. I think it's different when somebody is 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 saying things and it's coming from their heart. It's venomous and it's it's wrong right. on many levels. But but yeah, we have to allow grace with one another. And yeah, and sometimes it's just hard to know what to do with that anger. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and in, and it is. And I think there's many women listening to this podcast today right now that will probably agree that they've had to endure some really painful words and comments and unkind things that have been said to them and and I think you would align with me and say to each of those women today hey listen you're not defined by that you're defined by what the word of God says and so you find your strength because because that's why you had peace, because you knew who you truly were. And if right. you don't know who you truly are, then you're subject to anything that anybody Absolutely. says about you. And Absolutely. so it's know you're a daughter of the king, know that you're loved and you're valued and you're set apart for such time as this and there's a purpose to your life. And and it just sometimes it's difficult to walk out. And especially right. I think, you know, it's the um, when it's a loved one speaking back at right. you. It's very difficult, but your living testimony and proof of God is greater, God is bigger, and Mm. there's always in him, there's always a way through. And Mm. so, so often it's easy to forget about God when we're in our personal battles. Mm. And I think what happens is we tend to want to try and take matters into our own hands. Mm. I find there's a lot of people that run away from church when a crisis hits their world, it's almost like I've got to focus on the problem. We've got to get through the crisis, uh, and, and we and then we just don't see them in church, and 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 they run away, and then people stop reading the Bible or they stop praying, and we almost go into this default mode of I've got to try and fix this. And um, I just want to say, you know, one of the things that I love about you as my friend is that I watched you dig your heels in and I know that when we get on the phone and we chat like you're super super honest and open and I never once heard you say I'm ready to quit and never and even if you were even if you felt it you were very guarded with your mouth and you you never said I'm ready to walk from the church I'm ready to walk from the marriage like you stuck in it so what did it look like um what did it look like for you to make a time and a place to still worship God and still have mm-hmm. that time with God even in the middle of your crisis 
That's a great question. And, you know, for me, again, even thinking about the, the last question we talked about, all of it for me goes back to protecting and prioritizing time in God's presence. It's from that place that the Lord has taught me, while I don't always hear his voice audibly, most of the time it's a, it's a scripture that I'll read. But I go, oh, Lord, that's that's exactly what I needed to hear. And that's most of the time how he speaks, speaks to me. And so how, though, I, I, I can remember time and time and time again, I've had to say out loud in those private, quiet time moments with Jesus, those hiding place moments, I've had to say out loud, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. No matter what, I'm not going anywhere. And and I have been challenged on that time and time and time again. However, saying it out loud, it's just, I feel like, okay, I'm hearing myself make that commitment. And so it just helps me stay the course then too. But so what does it look like for me to prioritize time in God's presence, it looks different every day. And that's the beauty of having a relationship with Jesus. It's a real relationship, right? Jesus is alive and he does speak. He does want to do life with us. And so there's no blueprint for any one of us on what um, our, our time with Jesus has to look like every day. It's a living relationship. And so it looks different every day. So for me, in, and, and to all of us are in different phases of life. So some of us may have more time than others. But again, I think it's just this uh, doing the best we can to acknowledge, okay, Jesus, I know that you are are my Lord, my Savior. I know you're doing life with me. I'm doing life with you. And so, Lord Jesus, um, I invite you into my day. So for me, sometimes it's I'm able to get myself up early in the morning and spend some quality time with him. Other times it's while I'm driving in my car rather than turning on the, the music and listening to music. I will just talk out loud to him. Sometimes it is um, as simple as turning on a worship song. A lot of times I don't feel, especially on hard days, I don't often feel like I have the words to pray, to say, I've got nothing on those days when I feel like I have nothing. I'll turn on worship music. And the beauty of worship music is worship music can be prophetic, which means it can speak from the heart of God to us. Worship music can be faith-filled. So when my faith feels low, I'll hear a song and it just does something on the inside of me. It resonates. It builds It builds my faith in that moment to go, okay, I can keep going. This is the Lord keeping me from going anywhere. I've had so many sweet moments where I have felt like the Lord is literally singing over me because I'll just, in my car, Turn on, uh, I'll turn on Spotify, find a song, a worship song that I love. And then the, the music that follows oftentimes are just the exact songs I need to hear in the moment. So that's what an, another way of prioritizing 
time in God's presence looks like. Sometimes it's just being silent, but saying, Lord Jesus, I know you're here. I know you're with me because your word says you never leave us. I don't have the words, but let's just sit here together. And it's allowing me to have a quiet minute to just, okay, picture Jesus in the room or in the car, wherever I am with me. Sometimes it's sitting silent. But again, just saying, Lord, I sit silent with you. It's it's this inviting the Lord in to my day whenever I can. That's what it looks like to me to prioritize time with Jesus. But again, it can look different for all of us. There's no blueprint. Like I said, God is not boxed in, but that's where it's fun for you as the individual to go, okay, Jesus, this is our relationship. What, what, what should we do today? What do you want today to look like? What, how can we do life together today? So. I, I love that. And I just love the concept that, you know, wherever you are, there he is. Yeah. And, you know, you're not sort of putting him into boxes and you're yeah. not sort of saying, okay, Jesus, you've got 10 minutes with me there, but then I'm going there. It's like, wherever I go there, you go also and your willingness. And I know I phoned you and you're like, Hey, I'm just out in my car, having some time with God. And I know yeah. I've been in your car. Your car's like a mobile home, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and so you could put a mattress in there. You could have a kettle in there. Yeah. You could, you could like microwave the place. It's massive. I think Jesus yeah. would get quite claustrophobic hanging out in our <laughs> cars here in the UK. But, oh. but I know I just love that concept that he's on that journey with you. I will right. never leave you. I will never forsake you. And also, you know, he's equipping you daily. And so yeah. I think in part, you've probably answered this question because I just want to back up on something. Um, and you've probably answered, but is there any more you want to add to? And that is the question of, you said that prior to Sean's diagnosis that um, God had been taking you through the Psalms and you kept seeing this one significant thing. I'm your hiding place. I'm your refuge. I'm your shelter. I'm your hiding place, Jill. I'm your hiding place. So, so, so he was referencing that to you at a time in your life when you did not need it. Now you're in the thick of it and you're in the thick of a, a trauma and you just don't know which way anything is going. It, it looks like it's falling apart on every single front for you. What did that practically look like, God being your hiding place? Would you say it's those times when you would get in the car and you would just be alone with him? What does that look like for you, having him as a hiding place? Yeah, so for me, what it looked like... Honestly, when when I needed him as a hiding place the most were those moments where either I was hurting because of what Sean was going through or where Sean was in such despair that I did not know what to do. Like, I think most of us who are supporting a loved one, your loved one, when they're in it. It's like, you don't know how to help. And so for me, when, when the Lord was my hiding place, when I needed him as the hiding place the most, what that would look like was me stepping back to take a quiet minute. So I've, I've 
I've talked about the Lord being a hiding place and I've made it sound like, well, I'll run to my car and that's a place where it's me and Jesus. But the reality is you do not have to have an actual private place to access the Lord as a hiding place. I love that statement. Because when you have put your faith in Jesus, when you have a relationship with Jesus and you have acknowledged him as Lord and Savior, his Holy Spirit comes and resides within. And so suddenly you, like I said, he is within you. And so, and he's with you everywhere you go. So a hiding place moment for me is when it's hardest, when it hurts the most, or when I literally do not know what to do to support my loved one. Hiding place moment for me sometimes is just taking, if I need to take a physical step backwards, just so I'm getting myself and my head and my heart in a place of saying, I can't do this, Lord, I need you. And so then it's this quick inner conversation of Jesus. My loved one needs your support. I need your support. Help. Help. Yeah. Help. SOS. And, Just send help. And so a hiding place moment for me, sometimes it is if I have the time and if I have the space in that moment, it's putting myself somewhere private where I'm able to cry, where I'm able to say, God, this is hard and I need help and I don't know what to do. Or if I don't, or, or if I have time for worship, worship is huge for me. Playing, playing music is huge. But if I can't, if I'm not in that place where I can escape, so to speak, then it's just kind of taking a physical step back. So I'm no, all right, this is a symbol of me posturing myself before Jesus and asking him to be my strength, to be my counselor, to give me the words. That's a beautiful thing. Um, The Lord will give us the words when we don't have them. And sometimes he won't. I, I have made several mistakes along the way, but every meaningful moment of support that I ever had for Sean or another loved one or a friend who's going through it, every bit of meaning, meaningful support always came out of quiet time moments, oddly enough. Precious. And and yeah. maybe the quiet time moment that day God gave me knowing what I need, or maybe it was days before, yeah. years before. It's just this, when you do life with Jesus and can commit to having a relationship with him, it's amazing what he'll plop into your brain so good. when you need it. it's so encouraging as well because I love that line and I just think that will resonate with so many girls that you don't have to have a private place to access a hiding place right and because the private place was not your car or your spare bedroom but actually I loved how you've just phrased it but it was actually me taking a step back and it was about my posture before Jesus that's your hiding place Girls, if you can take anything away from this podcast, take that away. It's about your posture before Jesus. And it's yeah. when your posture is right, you're going to access answers. Yeah. You're going to find yeah. peace. You're going to walk in a love that is outside of this world. You're going to find the strength to keep on going when your posture is right. That's just so, so beautiful, Jill. Um, you know, one of the things that I've, find that a lot of um 
girls in particularly will talk to me about when they're trying to support a loved one who's going through, I don't know, it could be anything, couldn't it? It could be depression and anxiety, like your battle, uh, mm-hmm. like you and Sean have had to battle through. It could be, um, it could be alcoholism. It could be drug abuse. It just could be physical, mental, emotional abuse. It could be, you know, your husband's gone through redundancy and, and I don't even know how to handle him right now because the redundancy brings the depression on. It could be nice. something with your kid. There's just life throws so many things, physical, mental illness, yeah. anything. But quite often girls will say like, I don't know how to help him and I'm frightened of reaching out because I'm worried that I'm going to say the wrong thing, I'm going to yeah. do the wrong thing and... And I'm always saying to them, but until you try and until you have the confidence to just just be there and be yourself, you know, you will never know. You know, there's a chance of you getting it right as much as there is of getting it wrong. But what advice could you give? Because, you know, supporting your husband through what you've been through, were there ever times that you felt like you did something or said something and it was a fail and it was wrong? And then how do you pick yourself up and just find the courage to keep on going again? Yeah. So honestly, one of the things I I had to learn was that, and, I, and what I would say to you, to anyone who's listening, give yourself permission to make mistakes when you're supporting your loved one. I didn't realize that at the time that I was going through it myself. But if you think about it, you, the one who's supporting, you would have compassion for anyone going through something hard. You would have compassion for the one you're supporting and their mistakes. So learn to have compassion for yourself Give yourself permission to make mistakes. And remember, I another thing I had to learn, I was not, I am not Sean's savior. You, the one who's supporting, you are not your loved one's savior. That's so good. the Lord's job. That's the Lord's job to save. Jesus is the only savior. And I can remember, so I remember an instance specifically when Sean was at the height of a panic attack and I was sitting next to him, rubbing his back and just trying to talk quietly, peacefully, trying to just be sweet and reassuring in the moment. Well, the more I would rub his back and the more calmly, sweetly, tenderly I would talk, the worse it was making it for him. And I, I couldn't understand it because you would think in the height of panic and anxiety, peace is what you need. So here I am trying to be peaceful and it's not working. It was agitating him all the more. And so again, it was one of those moments where um, (laughs) I eventually quit rubbing his back because I figured (laughs) out, okay, this isn't working. And again, just, oh, God, I give this to you. I don't know what to do. Sean doesn't know what he needs. I don't know what he needs. And it was a couple days later that, and it was actually through some counseling, which I know we can talk about counseling too, that Sean had a moment of realization as to why that me rubbing his back and talking peacefully wasn't working. And he was able to have a conversation with me 
okay, Jill, I now understand why that doesn't work. And so we had a, a conversation, a good conversation, but that whole aha moment that Sean had, I honestly, I attribute that back to, again, having a relation, my, my, my own personal time with Jesus, because in my own personal time with Jesus, I'm giving it to him every day and asking God for wisdom and asking God for direction and praying for Sean. And so I take that moment of going, oh, here's why that didn't work to the Lord showing us this is why it's not working. But again, through that, the Lord just was teaching me to, hey, Jill, have compassion for yourself. You are human. We are human. We mean well. We want the best for our loved ones, but we don't have all the answers and we're not supposed to. And again, that is just such a beautiful thing about doing life with Jesus is he shows up and he reveals what we need to know when we need to know. That's the thing too. I've learned his timing is so perfect. And so trying to trust his timing, trying to rely on his timing, all goes back to him being the savior and being the one who's doing the rescuing and the healing and the helping, not me. I'm a support, yes, but I'm not the savior. And so if I could encourage anyone who's listening, have compassion for yourself, give yourself permission to make mistakes, and then say, oh, Jesus, I recognize you're the savior, not me. I'm the support. Oh, I love that. You're the support and not the savior. Because I think Mm -hmm. so often when we see a problem, like women, we're nurturers, we're fixers. And so someone's hurting, we're going to nurture, we're going to fix it. And it's so easy for us to default into that before going to Jesus It's so easily for us, you know, we need to go to the savior first. And Mm -hmm. then I think it's important, like you said, is to like understand the person who's going through it, Mm -hmm. like rather than you thinking, okay, Mm -hmm. like this is like, I know we've talked about personality profiles in the past Mm -hmm. and I have this high J in one of the personality um, tests. And that means I just come into a situation all guns blazing and I'm like I know what to do I know how to fix it this is what we're going to do like go 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 and it's not always helpful because it's not the most sensitive and I'm not being understanding towards people and so so I think it's really important and you just alluded there to counseling so just very briefly let's touch on that because I think here in the UK um we're not as good and I'm, I'm, I'm not putting everybody in this category so please right. don't all email me in <laughs> but I'm just sort of saying that I know how you guys operate in in the US and actually counseling isn't always a fix but often you use it as a preventative as well and so you're very um hot on getting your couples in church they go regular to marriage council and it's not because there's a problem it's because it's to to prevent a problem from happening and um and so I know that you guys are very for it and um but then and I know that Sean had counsel and a lot more in-depth um help as well for the actual trauma that he was dealing with and the and the the breakdown that he was dealing with but equally you as a partner you carry just as much weight so while he went through his time of counseling um you know I I 
I'm saying I, I'm trying to say I understand because when I came out of my illness, Luke went into therapy because mm-hmm. he almost had, you know, a, a PST from from what I'd been through. And, and so I know you understand this and I know that you went on your own journey with counseling mm-hmm. um, to help you to help Sean. So could right. you just tell us what that's a little, what was like for you and why it's important for women not to just shoulder it and carry it all alone, but really to reach out for some practical help? Yes. So honestly, both Sean and I, are broken individuals, right? We all have our different areas of hurt, different areas of struggle. So we're both broken. And honestly, sometimes hard times, when you go through hard times together as a couple, the hard times just highlight what's broken and the different broken places within each individual. And so I recognized and realized I need somebody who I can talk to about my own brokenness. Again, it goes back to that place of, oh, I, I first have to make sure I've got my oxygen mask on, getting my, my own support and health so that I can be you know, better for me, better for others. And so it really helped me to be able to find a, a professional one who has studied, one who understands the way the mind, the body, the spirit works at, at, a, at a, you know, a, a more knowledgeable level. And so it helped me to just find somebody, a, a licensed counselor to talk to, because oftentimes too, sometimes it's just nice to be able to to say all the things you yeah. want to say, yeah. all the things, sometimes yes. all the things I would love to say to Sean, but knew that those <laughs> things wouldn't be helpful. Yeah, it's just nice out. to have somebody. Yes. It's nice to get all the feelings out sometimes. And so, so, you know, I, I have, one thing I have learned is everything we say must be true, but not everything true must be said all the time, right? So it's nice though. Now you can say everything to God. I would encourage ladies say everything. God can handle all the feelings. And this is encouraging too. Some of us, I know I've said I've gone to a counselor, but some of us, the reality is maybe we can't afford a counselor, but take don't, don't be discouraged, be encouraged because the Holy Spirit in scripture is called a great counselor. That's right. So you can go to the Holy Spirit for free counseling anytime yeah. and you can say all the things you've ever wanted to say for free yeah. <laughs> and trust that the Lord yeah. will counsel you in some way so along the good. way. However, if you can't afford a counselor, it is, it is helpful. It is nice to have somebody that you can say all the things to, because two, I'd be careful. You don't want to say all the things to your girlfriends either. I wouldn't advise that. So, 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 but, but one trusted counselor, I would strongly recommend a counselor who, uh, uh, who has a faith within Jesus, a Christian counselor, just because I feel like uh, it's, it's, healthy to to speak to someone who who has a faith 
in Jesus Christ alone and, and, and the counsel they give, you know, then can be trusted. And so, um, yeah, it just, it helped me to have somebody I could say all the things to and help me process what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, helping me. It was helpful to have somebody help me identify my own broken places and what needed to heal the root. Because again, uh, uh, the way we act sometimes, the way we react to certain situations and certain hard things oftentimes is connected to a deeper root. And I needed help from a counselor recognizing the roots of my own brokenness and pain. And it's been helpful then to have her give me a plan. My counselor give me a plan of, okay, try this. Let's walk through this. Let's look at this. So that's, that's, that's so, so interesting. And, and I know it's going to be so insightful to, to, to many girls. And I, and I commend anybody that just does reach out. And, yeah. and I love what you said there. If you can't afford a counselor, you've got the Holy Spirit. But I also encourage anybody listening, like, hey, listen, we're the local church and we're not professional counselors, but yeah. we will help get you hooked up in the right directions. Great. If that That's is something great. you need, please reach yeah. out. Yeah. So Jill, just on a very final note, I know that there is a lot of girls right now who are in the middle of their either their own personal crisis or out walking a crisis with a loved one and we've listed what many of those can look like and you know different traumas and different um parts of life that has blindsided us and but for anybody who's in the middle and we all know the middle is the hardest place right it's not the beginning the beginning you've got a little bit of a handle on it and you can always see the light when it's coming to and not even coming to an end, but when you've got a grip on how to manage this through life. But when you're in the middle, that's your darkest time and you've come so far, but you've got a bit of a journey ahead of you. Yeah. What piece of advice could you give to someone to help them to keep hope alive? Oh, I love that. Well, and I love that you said keep hope alive, because in my journey along the way, as I was in Psalms every day, I happened to come across Psalm 37, 7. I'm going to read it. It just says, quiet your heart in his presence and pray. Keep hope alive as you long for God to come through for you. So good. And so, and I love that because that is the key, keeping hope alive. But how, how do you do that? A couple, a few of the ways that I found that's helpful for me to keep hope alive. The first way was to just do my best to remind myself of who God is and the things he does. So it's this, again, I challenge you, get in your word to, to look at the character of God. And every time you see a scripture that highlights his character, hang on to that. Write down, write down that piece of character Great. Great. that you see because it's God's character you can always trust. You can always trust his character. But then also look through scripture as you see him doing miracles. Those are the things he does. And I would encourage yourself and keep that hope alive by reminding yourself, oh, he does miracles and he doesn't change. He's the 
Scripture says he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So if he Beautiful. did miracles back then, yes, he will do miracles today. Yes. Yes. And and then you go, okay, well, how how do I recognize, see, figure out the miracles he's doing today? Well, my last piece of encouragement to keep hope alive, you need to share your story when you can and when it's appropriate. Because it's as we hear about others' struggles and the way God came through for them, it builds our faith. And one of the things I've learned, we've talked about God being our hiding place, right? Well, one thing I've learned or another thing I've learned, I keep saying that, things I've learned, but again, that's just the journey here, things I've learned. The Lord says, make me your hiding place. But the enemy also offers a hiding place. Wow. Anything that God offers us, the enemy loves to produce and offer a counterfeit. Wow. And you referenced it earlier. You talked about shame. And that's how the enemy, that's his hiding place. Hiding place is shame. Wow. He would love for you to keep your story and your struggle to yourself so true. because, and, and he wants you to hide behind mm-hmm. shame because then he knows it doesn't serve or help anyone. And it honestly closes you into a little box. The longer you hide behind shame, the longer you hold on to it. But the minute you recognize, oh, wait a minute, the Lord has done something small. The Lord has, is doing something little every day, little by little over time. And as you are then presented with an opportunity to share it, share it. Because the minute you do, you will find more freedom and you'll find that what the enemy wants to use against you for evil, the Lord will use for good. The Lord will take the hard places of your life as you share them And as you're honest, and again, remember, timing is key. You don't have to share everything all at once or right away. Trust God's timing. And as you sense, oh, this might help somebody or this might help the person I'm talking to as I share it, share it. And you will see redemption. You'll see freedom. You'll see God take uh, the ashes of your life and make something beautiful out of them. So you keep hope alive by doing your best to get to know God's character, lean on his character, pay attention to it, remind yourself of who he is, what he does, and then be determined that when the time's right, you're not going to hide behind shame. You're going to hide in Christ and share share the beautiful things that he's done with your story. Wow, that wisdom is absolute golden. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love the way you just expanded that and you just elaborated on it. And I think one of the key things to take away in that, what you've just spoken there is that, you know, whenever you go through something, you just want to speak to someone who's come through what you're going through. I know I was like that. I know we've talked about that. And you just want to be able to connect. And that's where your hope starts to rise. It starts to come from. And so you balance it off from the promises of God. And it's so true. Anytime we hide behind shame, then actually we're denying God the power to work in somebody else's life, really, because the power is in our our testimony, what he did for us. 
Jill, I have loved this conversation and like we are the talkers, right? We could just go, (laughs) we could talk forever. I think it's the fact that we have like six boys between us, our two husbands. And so we, you know, we're bereft of conversation in our own homes. (laughs) So when we get together, we love to talk. But honestly, this conversation I know has been super helpful to many. Um, I'm beyond appreciative that you've jumped on and your openness both you and Sean thank you for not hiding in shame Mm -hmm. thank you for being bold and courageous and stepping out and saying we're going to make a difference in this generation with our story and um, for anybody who's watching right now or listening and you are battling with anxiety or depression or you know somebody who is then I encourage you to get hold of um of Sean's book and and you can you can get that on on um on Amazon um get hold of it read it be inspired by it read the testimony and the story of somebody else who's already come through what it is you're facing well girls that's the end of this podcast but listen conference is coming if you have not got your tickets yet you need to get them we are just weeks away may the 26th and the 27th at the acc in liverpool we are going to have an absolutely dynamic weekend and i can't wait to share with you what the future holds for all of us and i just want to encourage you set yourself up strong you hear me say it over and over again but hey don't miss being in the room and investing into yourself i'm super appreciative that you've tuned in and that you've listened and uh, we love you and we appreciate you and we will see you real soon <laughs>